0: beautiful gospel reading, right? Just one that really grips you. Each Lent, we do a homily series on topics relevant to the big questions in life. This is the sixth homily in the series, and I'm drawing, as I mentioned before, from Christophanic's work, work, um, and a book and also a video series called The Search. This week's homily is, Am I Worth Being Saved? Am I worth being saved? Am I worth being saved? And Jesus gives his answer in today's gospel reading from Luke 15. We hear the familiar story of the prodigal son. And remember that powerful scene when the wayward son comes to his senses and returns to his father. The father runs to him and embraces him. Now, Any Jew in Jesus' time listening to Jesus tell this story would have understood exactly what the Father was doing here. Something quite unexpected. Something extraordinary. He wasn't just embracing his lost son. He was shielding him. He was saving him. As the servants from the Father's household would have been assaulting the son with stones for having the audacity to return to the father after the son had lived a life as if the father was dead to him. They would have been doing what they saw their duty. The father then was taking the blunt of the stones He wasn't just embracing his son. He was wrapping his arms around him and shielding him as the servants did their duty. In doing that, he was saying to them that his son was forgiven. His son was accepted back into father's life. And that the son was worth saving. You are that son. You are that daughter. You are worth being saved. In 1988, there was a 6.8 earthquake in Armenia. 30,000 people died in four minutes. Parents ran to a new nearby school that had completely collapsed, grieving outside of the school. One of the dads ran up to the rubble, starting to pull back brick after another. At first, people were helping him. 38 hours later, he was by himself, still pulling bricks from the rubble. With his bloody hands, he lifted one last brick. There was his son and his friends alive the son's immediate reply, I knew you would come for me, Father. This is how God loves you. Covered in blood, his own blood, our Savior reaches down to you, buried in the rubble of your sin to save you. You Are worth being saved. Salvation. Let's talk about that for a moment. A lot of people have a simplistic, minimalistic understanding of what salvation is all about. For many, even some of us Christians, salvation is just, well, let's call it what it is, fire insurance. We do what we think is expected of us as Christians in order to avoid finding ourselves in hell for all of eternity. What an impoverished view of what God is offering us in salvation. In the New Testament, salvation is not just about what might happen to us if we're good after death. It pertains to To the here and now also. When we embrace the salvation God wants to offer us. Rather than the salvation we think is salvation. You're not only saved from hell. And happy with God forever in heaven. You are saved from what enslaves you here and now. And your life becomes so much more than before you embrace God's offer to save you. Think about St. Peter's life for a moment. He's fishing, which is his daily work to provide for himself and his family. Good. Jesus asks him if he can get into his boat. He allows it. And Jesus then begins to preach to the crowd on the shore. Peter listens. Something in what Jesus spoke stirred Peter's heart. Therefore, when asked to put the boat out into the deep for a catch, Peter, he knew that he had just been fishing all night and caught nothing. In fact, he tells the Lord this. Nevertheless, he does what Jesus asked of him. Therein we see Peter beginning to trust in Jesus. And Peter catches the mother load of fish. At this Jesus moment, Peter does what many of us do. Get away from me. I'm a sinful man. You've got the wrong guy. Anytime we sense there is more to faith in God than what we've experienced in the past or supposed possible in the future, we push the Lord away. Or anytime a fellow prisoner comes to us, invites us to more, we push the Lord away. But Jesus' response to Peter is his response to us. Come on, follow me and I will make you fishers of men and women. This invitation changed Peter's life forever. Jesus saw something in Peter that Peter didn't see in himself, and he saw that Peter was worth being saved. And he saw that Peter here now could help save many more souls with Jesus' help. Well... Jesus sees something in you that you do not see in yourself. He sees that you are worth being saved. And how with him, you can help save the souls of many other people. Here's the problem. The problem of sin. St. Paul reminds us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is the common human problem. We have all sinned, and none of us on our own can obtain the glory of God. And not just the glory of God in heaven, but the glory of God that is available to us in our everyday life. It's interesting. The catechism defines sin in three ways as an act that is contrary to reason, contrary to truth, and contrary to a right conscience. Let me translate that. Sin is not just a violation of a rule. It's a violation of reality. Here's the reality. When we sin, we're not just sinning against God. We are acting against our own best interest, which is insanity. God gave us rules, laws, because he knows what will make us work. That is, he knows what will make us happy and what will break us if we live for the fallen world instead of living for the life for which he created us. Let me draw this out in a different way. Follow this. If you decide to break the law of gravity and jump off the top of a building, you will probably break your legs or worse. In doing so, you didn't break the law of gravity as much as you proved it. What if you break the law of nutrition? You just eat junk food all the time. That's going to make you sick. It's going to break you. Well, there are laws of the Spirit, too. The laws of truth, love, justice, honesty, selflessness, to name a few. If you break these laws, then you break. This is the spiritual framework of humanity. It is the moral foundation of Christianity. It's not just a bunch of rules that you might think limit your freedom and take away your happiness. It's actually a pathway to the fulfillment God wants to offer you. And not just at the end of your life, but every step of the way. Here's another problem with sin. Defining ourselves by our sins. Let's think of Peter's life again for a moment. When he had his Jesus moment, he didn't just say to Jesus as he was trying to push Jesus away that he had sinned. Listen to what he said. He said to to the Lord, get away from me for I am a sinful man. He identified himself with his sins. He allowed his sins to define him. We can make the same mistake. We can believe the same lie about ourselves. Our identities, our lifestyles, our way of living from day to day get so entangled with our sins that we think that there is no other way to deal with life than with our sins. There's no other way to deal with lust than to give in to it. No other way to deal with our frustrations than to express them in anger. No other way to gauge my success without greed and workaholism. No other way to feel better about myself than to put other people down. And so on and so on. There's a sort, a sort of nervousness about Christian living in the way of salvation. We think it's just too difficult, just too hard, too unrealistic. Impossible. In fact, this is true when we are trying to do it on our own. The problem of human sin is that it doesn't have a human solution. We are not capable of solving our own problem. Only God can solve our problem, and he does this in the most unexpected way. From the cross. The cross is a paradox. And because it's a par- paradox, we can misunderstand it. We can get it wrong. It's the worst thing that human beings have ever done, and it's the greatest thing that God has ever done. And receiving the worst thing that we have ever done, because we all put him on the cross, rejected him, God performs the greatest act of love in human history, an act of love that is powerful enough to save you. From the cross, Jesus Jesus doesn't just want to save you, get you into heaven, but here now and throughout your life, Jesus wants you to know that you are not alone. As you struggle, with your sins in a fallen world. He wants you to see how much he loves you as you struggle with your sins in a fallen world. Jesus wants you to know that you're worthy of being saved as you struggle with your sins in a fallen world. This is exactly what we need, right? As you look at your sins, tempted to define yourself by them, and believing the lie that you will never be able to deal with life without your sins, you can look to Jesus upon the cross. Maybe as you look at your past and your present sins, you think to yourself, God doesn't want anything to do with me. Or my life is a train wreck. Or I haven't done enough. To be worthy of God's love. I've made so many bad choices. I'm not worthy of God's love for me. Then. You look at the cross. Again and again. You look at the cross. And you see God looking back at you. Jesus Christ looking at you from the cross. Tells you you are enough. You are enough for him to die for you. This is what should define you. Think of it in in these terms. Children, when they're born, they don't get their identity by looking at themselves. They don't look at their accomplishments. They don't have any. They don't look at their failures to gauge their worth. Before they can even speak a word, They have learned who they are by looking at the face of their mom and dad, looking at them. You learn who you are by looking at the love that is bigger than you, bigger than your mistakes, bigger than your sins, bigger than your hurts and losses, your fears and worries and anxieties, your successes and your desires, your insatiable desires for more. You look at Jesus upon the cross looking at you and you see that you are worth God dying for you. This is what should define you. Here's the deal. The cross didn't just happen 2,000 years ago. The cross continues today. That is, We all experience the cross. The crosses that come with living in a fallen world. As we experience our crosses, the key is to unite our crosses with Jesus' cross. Because that act of salvation transcends every moment in time. Including your time. Then just as he brought good out of his cross, he will bring good out of your crosses... If you allow him, if you've been abused, know that Jesus was abused. If you've been humiliated by others, he was humiliated also. If others have gossiped about you and rejected you, this is what has happened to Jesus. If others have lied about you and hurt you, Jesus experienced the same thing. If you have ever known the sting of human betrayal, Jesus was betrayed. And he says to you in all of your crosses, you are not alone. I am with you. I have taken this upon myself. I know your pain. This is not the end. This is not what defines you. With Jesus, there is more to your life than your crosses. There is the resurrection. Whenever, whatever crosses you've carried, whatever suffering you've known, whatever deaths you've experienced, Jesus has the power to rewrite your story. Because he overcame the cross and rose from the dead. Jesus came to redeem even your worst crosses, the ones you are most ashamed about. He redeemed the worst cross in the history of humanity and made it the means for your salvation. He can do the same for all of your crosses. When you choose Jesus, I mean really choose him, the only person with the power to keep holding your past over your head is you. Stop doing it. Living your life with Jesus, with all of life's ups and downs, Jesus can make all things new. Your story becomes his story. His story of loving you. No matter the circumstances in your life. A love story where Jesus redeems you page by page. Along these lines, you might think your life is a story written by divorce. Or an abusive situation. And this sums up your life. No. That's a page. There's a bigger story. You might think that your life is a story written by cancer or some other disease or disability. That's what defines you. No. It's one page of the big story of your life. You might think your life is a story written by your failures. No. It's one page. And there's a bigger story of your life. None of these pages are bigger than God. Bigger than his cross, bigger than his resurrection, bigger than his love for you and his power to redeem you. The big story of you is God created you. God loves you. He has found you worthy of dying for you. And he has destined you for eternal glory. God can, if you allow him, Redeem every page of your story and make your life amazing. Even through the ups and the downs of your life. Amazing for you and for then everyone else in your life who is blessed by your crosses and Jesus redeeming you through them. Are you worth being saved? Yes. You are worth being saved. But you can't save yourself. Living in a fallen world, you're going to experience hard times as well as good times. Jesus doesn't save you from the crosses of this world. He redeems you through them. As you experience them, you need only look upon Jesus upon the cross and see him looking at you, joining you. He understands you, what you're going through, because he has gone through it. The worst that the world can throw at you and the worst that the world can throw at him. He has overcome the world. He is victorious. And the prize is you. His prize, his victory, Is you. You need only say yes to God's love for you. Yes to you loving God. Yes to following him. And then yes to returning him when you stray from the path he has created for you. Yes to Jesus redeeming you and writing for you the greatest love story you will ever know. God loving you and you loving God. Let this be what defines you. You are worth being saved.